Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for this morning, Father. We thank you for the opportunity just to gather together as one, as a united fellowship, a body of believers, Father, people who, um, who you have called out from our past, Father, who you have set um, forward, God, who you have set on a firm foundation, Lord. Father, we come together with a united heart, loving you, believing you, trusting you. Father, we each come today in different places. Father, we have different burdens that we carry. We're each walking through something different in our lives, Lord. But Father, you know what each and every one is, God. So Father, we leave it at your feet this morning. Father, we trust you. We come with expectation, God, to receive from you a touch this morning. <coughs> to walk away convicted and encouraged to be able to praise your name even through the storm, God. So, Father, we unite our hearts together in faith. And we come with a grateful heart, with the privilege of being able to meet and to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This keeps me going. In those days when I feel like giving up fire. Problems in expiration day, and we're 
Sunday. We've been looking forward to this. So, Kenar, whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and come on up. Look forward to hearing from you, brother. Oh, my goodness. Good morning. Good morning. First of all, I want to thank um, Rob for giving me the opportunity to speak. Um, I want to thank Yvette. Um, it's been a couple years since she she pressed me. She came and she said that God gave her a vision. And I'm not one to jump out until God says it's the appropriate time. It's not mine will, but thine will be done. Amen. Um, the funny thing about it is, uh, is he's just been showing me so much to like begin to connect people. Um, I think I'll go ahead and go into my testimony, then I'll kind of put together what I'm thinking about because it might sound really confusing if I do it like this. Um, so I'm gonna first read from Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. To start us out, excuse me, I'm, I'm reading from the King James Version, so it might be a little different for some people. So that's Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. When you with me, say amen. Amen. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. Amen. Even before I got here, matter of fact, I've, I've heard it so many times that, you know, your testimony can be an indictment mm -hmm. against you. And I got to stop one more time. One more time, because let's pray first. Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to be able to serve this morning, to be able to share with each other, Lord God, that we may utilize our testimony and the things that are going on in our lives, as well as your blood, in order to overcome the enemy. There's somebody here that needs to hear what has to be said, that they may overcome that struggle that they're struggling with in secret, Lord God. Dear Father God, we want to put it all out in the plain so that the enemy yes. does not have power over us. It's not holding us captive yes. all alone because yes. we believe that nobody will understand what we are going through, Lord God. Yes, Dear Father, I pray that I may decrease, that you may increase, yes. Lord God. That your will will be done in this place. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So... I've um I was told yesterday not to give my testimony um in fullness because people don't need to know what has happened in your past because they will hold that against you. But the word of God says something different. Amen. You know, and just to start, if there's something that you're holding inside that you think that somebody's going to judge you because of it. You need to have somebody to speak with about that. Amen. Now, I grew up in a household with both of my parents were believers. But one was super spiritual. 
and one was basically non-spiritual. My mother was super spiritual, and I, I witnessed her do so many things. I've witnessed her um, minister to people. I've seen her cast out demons in churches. Um, she would tell me to read the Bible while she was praying and laying hands over somebody. And then my father was the exact opposite. He knew the word back and forth, but he wasn't very spiritual. You know, it, when, when it came to things of spiritual matters, it just seems as if, you know, he could only quote the Bible, but there wasn't necessarily power in prayer. So, as I grew, I would, my, my parents made me go to church. Every, it, wasn't, it wasn't an option. You're going to be in church every Sunday. And I was there, but I never had any youth leaders or anybody to take an interest in me. I'll just be there, I come, they'll talk, I answer a question or two, and then I will leave. You know, and there was no connection. So as I grew, I always had a belief in God, but I never had that personal relationship. So when I um all through through my younger years, I had I had extreme exposure to the fast life, to the street life. Um, by the age of seven, the guy next door in the apartment, because I grew up in, in, first of all, I grew up in Miami, and I grew up in the ghetto in Liberty City, and at the age of seven, the guy next door was just, he was selling dope out of the back, and he just came to me and my friend, he said, hey, I'll give you $50 if you tell this person to come back, and if somebody else comes, you tell them that I'm not here. I had no idea what was going on. It was just me and the kid that lived next door, you know? And looking back, he brought me into his house, and he showed me the table. And it was like mounds of cocaine. And he's like, hey, what's this? And I was like, that's sugar. I had no idea what it was. So even at a young age, the enemy was coming after me. You know? So growing up, even, even further along, by like the age of 10, you know, my, my oldest sister, um, she had already had a, a daughter. And, you know, her daughter father was, he got me exposed as well. Then there was another person that came along in my life. And by the age of 13, they were telling me that if I didn't know how to sell large amounts of drugs or I couldn't purchase it, that I was nothing. I meant nothing. And it was... um. It was devastating for a 13-year-old kid to feel like you will never be nothing unless you're able to do something that you don't even know how to do. Matter of fact, you don't even really know what it is, you know? So I had a heavy influence of the street life, but I guess um, God kind of pulled me away because he made me very athletic. So I, would, I was playing football playing basketball, um, running track. It so happens I was one of the fastest people in the state of Florida. I went to the state championship in track, um, went to the game before state championship in football, and went to state championship in basketball as well. You know, so, but that was, that was kind of God's way. You know, my mother pulled me out of my, my middle school, and she put me into a private school, a Christian private school. And I had to learn the Bible. 
And it was like, oh, you have to memorize this scripture today. But I didn't understand the power in it. You know, the one scripture that I could tell you that I always knew because my mother pressed me about it was Psalms 23. You know, and because I was a dreamer, I would have a lot of dreams. And my mother would always tell me, if you don't remember anything else, pray this. And that's what I would do. So going through high school, I kind of was, you know, on the fence, but never, still never had a relationship with Christ truly. You know? Um, the age of at the age of 17, about 17, I um I actually gave my life to the Lord, but I don't think I don't know if that was even real because it was I was pressured. You know, when everybody's around you or 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 there's a, a family member or something trying to tell you to do something, you know, you kind of fall into that trap of giving your life to the Lord when you're not, it's not really what um what you wanted to do. So as when I got out of school, I kind of, you know, I wanted to go to college. I had scholarships from colleges to play football or run track, but that wasn't an option. I, I wasn't allotted that option. I, I don't want to really put the person who, you know, who stopped that in my life because it's not about them, but God was guiding me, and I, I ended up getting in trouble. N- not, not even my own trouble. I got in trouble from being in the wrong place in the wrong time with somebody. I'm going to drop them to work, and they stopped somewhere, and they broke into a house. I'm waiting for them. I walk to the front door, and I notice the windows pride open. I lean over. I say, hey, listen, I'm not with this. I'm leaving. I turn around. The police are there. So, where I'm from, you don't, you don't snitch. You don't tell. So, what did I do? I ran. I ended up getting caught, and I got a charge on my record. And from that point, I felt hopeless. I felt like the stereotypical black male that you don't have any hope now because you have something on your record, and you could never be anything more. So I kind of let, I, I went into the street life. I'd already been exposed to it from a young age. It was the thing that I was resisting for the longest. And now it's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm applying for jobs. Because I was applying for jobs and I was doing, I was trying, but nothing was working. So I said, okay, I'll do what I know how to do. And I began to go into the streets. And, but it was never, at that point, it wasn't. A hundred percent. I wasn't committed to it. But the funny thing about the streets is when I was in the streets, I began to understand who God was. You see, they a lot of people say that I'm a product of preeminent grace. Um, and if if you don't know what that means, basically God meddled in my affairs before I got saved. So, um, I started, actually I got into music and I, cause I, I was wavering, I was wavering, you know, and I was moving forward. I, I met a billionaire. I had four deals from different record labels and major people in the music industry and everyone 
fell apart. On the last one, it was it was the time in my life that I went into the darkest period of my life. I, I can tell you exactly what year it was. You know, off the top of my head, it, it, that that was two thousand one, and I lost the woman I was with at the time when the record um, deal fell apart. I lost my son. Like, he, he wasn't staying with me anymore. And some things happened, and it was, like, kind of pressed that I couldn't have him anymore. All of my friends that were surrounding me, they left as well. And I was all alone, and I felt like I lost everything because lack. Well, if I would have had money, this would have never happened again. You know, this wouldn't have happened. I could have I could have kept us in position. I could have I could have. Had my son, my situation would be better if only I had money. So, and I felt like I fell because at that time I was living in between a million dollar house on a bay and a quarter million dollar condo, 16 floor high rise in Aventura, Florida. I felt like I was, I felt like I was the man. I'm riding around in Benzes, Ferraris, you name it, every car you could imagine, you know, I was there. It wasn't mine. I didn't own it. But to the world, they felt like I was on top. And after that period, it started a dark, a dark era in my life. Every day after that, from that point forward, I began to smoke and drink. I was smoking marijuana every day. And I was depressed, but I didn't realize I was depressed. And it was in October of 2000, before 2000, and let's see, yeah, October 2002, I was at home and I had, I had a 38 and I said, man, life isn't worth living anymore. I heard a voice telling me that you're nothing, you don't have anything. And this life isn't worth living anymore. What are you doing? And it was bad because my motto was I'd rather be dead than broke. So because I didn't mean anything because I didn't have anything. My identity lied in my possessions. So at that time, I, I that's when I went really into the street. I, I fully committed. And... I went, I, I jumped on a flight, I went and met with some people, and I came back $40,000 richer. And from that point on, there was no, there was no um, lack. I got to the point where I was making $20,000 a week, you know, and I really didn't even have to get my hands dirty, you know. So, I'm living a life, I'm... I have almost $100,000 worth of jewelry. You know, I can buy anything I want. And I'm still not fulfilled. You know? So, even at that time, I was taking care of people. I was paying light bills for people. I was paying rent for, for friends. I was doing different things. And I was trying to build up who I was through what I did. But it wasn't, it wasn't what um, it wasn't what God wanted. But I still couldn't see that. 
But the funny thing about it, in the middle of everything, I heard God talking to me. I didn't know it was God, but I heard him. I was going to go, I was going to go make a deal. And I'm, I'm driving, I'm heading there, and I hear a voice tell me, don't go that way. I went the other way, and when I got there, everybody got locked up. Everybody. There was another day I was I was riding and I'm going to meet somebody to go buy some going to buy some drugs from, to go sell. And right when I'm pulling in, the police blocked my car to not let me go in, and they went and grabbed the people in the same apartment where I was going. And the whole time, I'm like, whew, they can't touch me. I felt like MC Hammer, they can't touch yeah. this, you know? Yeah. I was, I felt untouchable, and I felt like it was because of me being smarter. Mm-hmm. When I wasn't realizing that the Holy Spirit had been speaking to me, saving me for God's will to be done. So, I hadn't realized that. So... The craziest thing ever happened at the end of 2005. At the end of 2005, I felt like I heard a voice telling me that you, you don't need to do anything for the whole next year. Mm-hmm. Nothing. What? I'm doing nothing. You're crazy. I'm just, I need to make money. I had bad shopping habits. I was spending $5,000 a week in the mall every week. You want me to stop? So, um, I stopped, not even know, and then like rationalizing in myself, I, God told me to stop for a period, right? I, you know, yeah. so confused. Um, and I, and I went back out there again after that year and, um, I was going to go sell some drugs to somebody and I walked in and at that time I didn't realize it was a setup. So I'm walking in and I'm looking at the guy and the guy's holding a pistol and he's walking towards me and I'm looking at him like, hey, you don't have the heart to try me, you know? So I walk right past him and he comes behind me and he puts the gun to the back of my head and he's like, where is it? And I didn't have it right on me. It was in my car. So I was like, what? What? I don't have anything. And he hits me. And instead of me getting scared, I got upset. Mm. You know, my mother didn't teach me to let somebody hit me and not hit them back. (laughs) Gun or no gun, you know? So um, when he hit me, I was like, okay, all right, Lord. um, If it's my time to go, let me go. Maybe maybe you'll accept me into heaven. But um, I can't sit here and just let him hit me. So if you're going to take me, take me. But if you save me, I'll never sell cocaine again. And the guy, so after that, I I pushed up off the ground and he put the gun to the back of my head again and squeezed the trigger. He squeezed it again. Then he squeezed it again. And the gun didn't go off. Not even one time. You know, and we wrestled. But he had pulled my keys out of my pocket, and I, I didn't know he was working with somebody. They handed the keys off, and they got the stuff. And um, 
it was that was just the beginning of God calling me. You know, a week later, um, it was this guy that was like, I guess you could say my mentor in the streets. He's calling me. He, I stopped selling. I didn't sell any more cocaine. I moved on to something different. I kept my promise, right? Yeah. But something yeah, something different. So the the guy who was like my mentor was like, "Hey, man, I need you to go drop this off over here," you know. And he told me to go to this guy's house. So this is the funniest thing ever, right? Because I'm getting ready to smoke a joint, and I hear something telling me not to. Don't do it. Don't do it. So. I get in my car and I drive to the place where the guy is telling me that I need to go to. And when I'm pulling up, I'm going to park right in front. I'm pulling up. Once again, here's this voice again. Don't park in front. So I'm like, don't park in front. And, you know, how many times do you go to Walmart or you go somewhere and you you. And, and what, let me be clear when I say here. Here is the best word that I can use to describe what was going on. So sometimes it's like a feeling inside that's like, don't do this. Or it's a thought or it's, it's something. So each time it could be something different. So don't think I'm like, Gennard, don't park there. It wasn't necessarily an audible voice, but it was something going on inside of me that was letting me know... God is not limited to the way that he communicates with you. Don't put God in a box that say he can't speak to you through your feelings. He can speak to you through your feelings. He can speak to you in a thought. He can speak to you in anything. It could be somebody coming. It could be an animal that comes up to you. So don't limit God. We have to be open. And I heard something telling me not to park there. And And I parked up the street. And as I'm walking up the street, somebody starts shooting at me. Bam, 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 bam. They never hit me. They were only about 10 feet away. And the crazy thing about it is I saw them because the moonlight was shining on the chrome pistol because they were hiding in the bushes. But if I would have parked right in front, I probably wouldn't be here today. And he was teaching me about obedience even before I knew who he was. So, continuing forward, um, I got, I ran into some people who, um, who were into witchcraft, into something called Santeria. And they just approached me and when they, they approached me, they came up to my car and they started they were like, oh, we need to pray for you. And they put, like, crosses on my tires. I'm like, I don't know what that means. And they're like, something's going to happen to you. And here, here are these beads. Where are these beads? Oh, okay, all right. If you say so, all right. They're beads. What, how bad can they be? You know? Um, and the guy, he, um, he prophesied to me. The funny thing about the enemy, when the enemy prophesied to you, the enemy can tell you things that's already happened. That's common knowledge. If you knew information about things that already happened, you could easily tell it. They're supernatural beings, right? 
the, the, the demons, Satan, all supernatural, right? So they, they were like, oh, well, you're dealing with this person and, and this and that. So sometimes people get tricked into following the wrong things because people come to them with information that seems as if it's prophetic, but it's false prophecy. So mind you, this whole time I was in the streets real heavy, there was about a five-year period where I wasn't really sleeping. Nothing but like three to five hours at most, but it was like really like three hours a night. And this guy was like, yeah, you're not sleeping, and you're this, and you're that. And he was like, this is you looking the Bible. Um, what's your birthday? Okay, yeah, yeah, your birthday's uh, 11-5. Okay, Psalms 115, and you know, and he tried to pull me in mixing God with other religions. So this guy was there and I kind of started to depend on him a little bit. Just, you know, he came and gave me this stuff. You wash it, you wash it on your head and you're going to sleep. I slept that night and I still wasn't sleeping after that <laughs> one night, you know, and it was in 2006 going into 2007 and I ended up getting arrested and they pulled me out of a a, a, um, a drive-thru. I guess I was profiled. Whatever. It is what it is. It, uh, uh, somebody told me the other day, because at that time I had, these were all gold teeth. And one of my officer friends, he said, look, if it looks like a duck, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I wasn't, it, it just is what it is. You know, if you're living in a certain type of life, you have to expect certain things. So they searched me, searched me, searched me, searched me. They searched me like six times before they found anything. And the lady's like, it has to be something here. It has to be something. It has. She found a little something on me. She found a little bit of um, marijuana and cocaine. At, at that time, I was smoking um, marijuana with cocaine on it. And when they, when they locked me up, they didn't find what was really on me. Because if they would have found what was really on me, I definitely wouldn't be here. Matter of fact, I probably could die ten times and come back to life and I still <laughs> I still wouldn't be able to get out according to what was on me. And they didn't find it at all. They never found it. As a matter of fact, I was able to get rid of it before they had the chance to even find in custody. Now, I'm no magician, but I know grace when I see it. So after this whole ordeal, I, I um me and my girl, we got locked up at the time. And her she had violated probation and all these things, so when she got locked up, all these people started telling me about what she was doing, the person she was. And now, mind you, I had almost been arrested for serious things that they just missed me. I had almost been killed, and none of that scared me. Ooh, man. You know, it's according to, there's a standard typically according to where you, what you're into. So, you come into church, 
And people expect you sometimes to have a certain tone in your voice. If you notice a lot of a lot of people that minister, they'll they'll try to have a certain tone. Or or people expect you to dress a certain way. Or people expect you to be something because it is the standard that has been placed. So in the streets, it's like, well, guess what? The standard is you're, you're all in. There's no halfway. The people that, that are one foot in and one foot out, they get you killed. They get you killed. The people that you keep in your life, in your walk, that are one foot in and one foot out, they're dragging you down. To, and I'm not saying that you don't minister to them, but you can't partake in their ways. You see? And that's how it was. You couldn't, you couldn't partake in the other ways. Either you're going to be all the way in or you're not in at all. So I began to pray to God. I said, God, is this who you have for me? See, because me and my mother, you know, my mother loved me. I know it. And she taught me a lot of things spiritually. But we didn't have that bond, that typical mother-son relationship. It was distant. We bumped heads about everything. So when I found a woman that I was trusted enough to let close, then I would get close with them. So now everything fell apart and my woman's locked up and like, Lord, is this who you have for me? And that was the beginning of God moving in my life. God sent somebody to me from that point forward. And I didn't know. It was somebody that I knew prior, but we hadn't spoken for years. So, and the, the crazy thing about it is, I knew that they they hadn't been saved. God knows who he's sending to you in order for the word to be delivered. Because sometimes you won't trust somebody that hasn't been on the same level that you've been on. And when you see them and you see the change in them, now it's like, well, he must be real. But I had I didn't even have any idea that they that they um they had given their life to the Lord because we hadn't talked. Um I really didn't pay attention to in our conversation that they weren't cussing or doing any of the things that we typically had done, you know? So I'm on the phone with them one night and I'm I'll, I'll give I guess the short version of it. Um No, I'll tell you the long. So <laughs> I'm on the phone with them and they're like, oh, I'm getting ready to go to sleep. I'll call you tomorrow. They get off the phone and they call me back five minutes later. I'm like, I thought you were going to sleep. What you calling me back for? You know? And when they got on the phone, they started crying. They were sobbing. Wow. And they were, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, mind you, I'm still not saved. So I'm like, what the F is wrong with you? You know, what's, why are you... Why are you crying on the phone about Jesus? Like, what is it? And they cried and they cried and they cried. But I didn't realize what was happening. And they began to speak. They began to tell me about things that happened in my life that nobody knew about. They began to tell me, they said, when that person held that gun to your head and squeezed the trigger, God stopped the bullet. But it was no way for them to know because they weren't even in the same city with me. They hadn't been in my life. It was completely just, you know, random. So, 
as they, they, they told me about that, now they start telling me about secrets and things that happened that people had passed away and weren't here anymore. And nobody could know. So I'm, I'm saying to myself, I'm, I don't know what to think at this moment. I'm just kind of listening and taking it in. Um, then after that, they begin to tell me about what I was thinking. They said that you pass this church every day and you hear something telling you to go into this church and you won't go. That's God speaking to you. Nobody knew that. It was just what I thought. I hadn't expressed it to anybody. So I'm, I'm still listening, but I'm, I'm a bit um, sketchy about it. Should I? What is this? What's really going on? So then they moved on to telling me what's getting ready to happen next. They said that to tell my father not to go to the doctor's office or he would get in a fatal accident on Wednesday. They said, tell your mother to settle water court or she's going to lose her settlement. They said, on Saturday, somebody's coming to your house to kill you. Don't open the door. They say, on Sunday, a gentleman's coming to your house and they're trying to get you to go back into your old life. Don't do it. On Monday, somebody's coming from out of town, out of the country, to come bring you something, to get you, to draw you and trap you in a situation. Do not do it with them. They say, on Tuesday, somebody's coming from up north. I'm just not saying the specific names, but up north, and they're going to try to get you to go buy some stuff. They're not doing anything wrong. They're just doing what they know how to do, and they don't mean you harm, but don't do it. And they say, if you go do what you're going to do in 15 days, you're going to end up in jail. Now, I'm listening to this, and I'm like, my first thought is, I don't know, I don't have anything to do in 15 days. <laughs> you know, and so I said, let me take the precautions. I said, I called my father, I said, please. I said, and first of all, I asked him, I said, do you have a doctor's appointment on Wednesday? He's like, yeah. I said, please don't go. Please don't go. I said, please, please, daddy, don't go. And he's like, no problem, I won't go. He didn't go on Channel 7 News in Miami. There was a huge accident at the doctor's office. On Friday, the lawyer called my mother. My mother called me. She's like, the lawyer called me today. On Saturday, somebody showed up to my house. Mind you, there was only about five people that knew where I stayed at. And they were all family, with the exception of one. And... So for somebody random to show up at my house, it never happened. I didn't open the door. Sunday, the person showed up. Monday, the person from out of the country showed up. Tuesday, the person from up north showed up. On the 14th day, people were calling me. And like, hey, we need to go do this deal tomorrow. I was like, oh yeah, we need to do this tomorrow? All right, yeah, 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 I'll be there. I'll be there. I changed my phone number that night. Mm. And everybody that went, went to jail. And at that moment, when I found that out, I recognized mm. that God loved me. Yes. He, um, it wasn't that he saved my father's life. It wasn't that he saved my life. It's that he loved me in spite of what I did 
am who I was. And he was bigger than the situations. And I realized, looking back all this time, that once the person prophesied to me that he had been speaking to me the whole time. When he said not to go this way, it was God. When he said stay here, when, whenever he, when I was hearing these voices that I thought was my conscience, was me, it was God speaking to me the whole time. Now, getting back to the church that he said that I needed to go to. I went to this church, and the person also told me the name of the church, mind you. Now, remember, I told you, they were in a different city from me. This person talked to me. This is over the phone this prophecy happened. I went to the church, and the pastor's name was Connell Johnson. My name's Connard Johnson. And moving forward, that was the, I learned the biggest lesson that I learned in ministry at that church. I was still getting words that I needed to, what I need to do, you know, um, I need to begin to minister the word. I don't know the word, but I need to minister the word day one. Whoa, that's a big burden, right? And I will go to the church and some days I'll be hearing that voice telling me you need to speak to this lady. And for some reason that. The, the elders in the church, like the especially the older ladies in the church, they just took a liking to me. And I would come in and, how you doing, baby? You all right? And I was like, all right. And in that church, I felt like I, felt like I was the only sinner. Because nobody ever gave their testimony. Nobody ever, nobody ever spoke about what they were struggling with. So it just seemed like I'm the only one in here without dress clothes on. You know, I got on, I have on Jordans and, you know, and because I didn't have any church clothes. But and I just felt like I was alone in the church. And it, it was it was hurtful. And the pastor, I went to him and I guess because I, I, I said his name, so I don't want to say too much about him. But what I will say is, um. He didn't necessarily make it comfortable for me. I asked to be discipled and I didn't receive my request. You know, and I wanted it so bad. I wanted, I thought when I came into the church that everybody would accept me. Everybody would love me. Everybody wanted the same goal. And it wasn't the truth. It wasn't the goal. Everybody didn't accept me. Some people wouldn't even talk to me. You know, they'll walk right past me and I'll speak to them every day. And man, I even got kicked out of prayer meeting. I felt like I needed to be in the church every time the doors opened or I would fall back into temptation. And they're like, you can't be here today. And it was, it was the pastor. You know, and it's so funny because um, it's so funny because uh, um, I kind of missed one thing, and I'm gonna go back to it. I mentioned when I when I got arrested, but I didn't mention to you the the other part of having to go to court. 
I was prophesied that I wouldn't do any time. And, and, and as a matter of fact, this is the particular portion of everything that I was told not to speak about as well. Um, they tried to offer me 15 to 20 years. This is what the state attorney came in with. But God had already said that, Kanara, you're not going to serve any time. So, because he spoke that, I had the confidence to go in because I, who knows what I would have accepted. So they, they offered me a plea. 15, 20 years ago. I'm not taking that. They came back, okay, well, you know, we'll give you 15. I'm not taking that. They said, okay, we'll give you 10 in and 5 on probation. No. They went all the way down to 6 months. No time. Just probation. Six months. And the only reason I took that, to be honest with you, is because um, one of my family members was in the courtroom and they were going crazy. Oh, you can't see they're trying to set you up. Oh, you I mean, they were yelling, acting crazy. And then the judge began, the judge reacted to that. The judge said, listen, I'm not bound by this court. I don't know what your lawyer told you, but I am in charge. I decide what time you get. And at that point, it was like, all right, six months probation. I'll take it. I'll take it. But you know, all things work together for the good for those who love God and will call according to His purpose. You know. And I just, I just was walking for the Lord day by day, but He was bringing me out of my situation. And then the Lord told me to move up here. And prior, when I told that pastor and I announced it to the church, the pastor was like, oh, my gosh, you're leaving. I can't believe it. The discipleship was going to start next Wednesday. <laughs> but you know what? There were people from the church in different groups that were coming to me. And they were like, you don't understand how much you sharing meant to us. There are people, oh man, you, you, your testimony and, and you speaking and you sharing, it really helped us. And at that moment, I realized what my walk was about. It didn't, it wasn't about you getting recognition or you seeing what God does in the middle of a situation. It's not about what happens to you. It's all about what happens through you. So, since I've been in this walk, it hasn't been easy. But I want to reflect on a few things that, that from me going through my testimony, because I, I had the testimony on paper, I, I, I had it nicely put together and in order, and I couldn't even, God said no. Now I have other papers here. I don't even know if I'm going to make it through the way that, that I have it. Because he's been dealing with me. So I'm going to give it to you the way he's given it to me. But I just, I moved forward in the walk. And I just started to recognize it. But going over my testimony, I realized something. I blamed my mother for a lot of shortcomings that I had. And a lot of things that didn't happen in my life. But God showed me my mother's place. She was the person who, who led me to Christ. But it wasn't, 
directly. It wasn't in a way she wasn't coming in. She would, she would, she would say, boy, you need to give your life to the Lord. Then she'd yell at me in the next breath. <laughs> you know, she'd go off on me and do the things that I'm like, I I'm not understanding. So I just want to kind of talk about faith and how I saw it happen. Um, the foundation of faith that was built in my life was through my mother saying that the word of God was everything and taking me back to it. She might not have pressed for me to read too much, but she she would make me read the Psalms. Read this. She'd be ministering to somebody. Here, take the Bible. Go read this. And she knew that, just like Proverbs 22 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I wasn't walking in the word throughout my life. But when it was time, I never departed. I, I, I went, I moved, I, I was distant, but I never departed. I came back to the very thing that my mother was pushing and pressing for. And even my father. But my father never pressed me. Never. My father only would talk to me and he would always teach me how to move forward. Whenever there was an issue, how do you move forward from here? What's next? They instilled faith in me. According to Romans 10, chapter 10, verse 17, so then faith coming, cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I was in church every Sunday. And for a long time, I was there Wednesday night too. So, it wasn't, it wasn't by choice, but I was there, and I was hearing the word, and my father, my father would even have Bible studies at the house, Now I was tuned out, I'm, I was, but the truth was, he did his best, and I want to take a break right now, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to press through, because I'm, I'm going to finish it off with this, no, I got to tell it to you now. You may not feel like you're doing enough in the middle of your situation. If you have children, if you have a family member, if you have friends, and you feel like they should be saved, and you're like, well, I should be doing more. God knows what you need to be doing. And if you feel like you're stressed and you need to be doing more, then maybe you're working on your own accord. Excuse me for one second. Now, I want to speak a little bit about expectations of faith as well. Does anybody want to read a scripture for me? Anybody? I can read it for you. Hebrews chapter 11. What? Verse 1. Verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Okay. Now, the funny thing about many of us being saved is we have this expectation that unbelievers should have faith. Whoa. Whoa, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
You're expecting an unbeliever to have faith when they don't have it. it they, the Holy Spirit has it coming to their lives to understand. And you get frustrated because they're not moving forward because that's what you think should be happening at the moment. The expectation of faith of a new believer. They should be moving at the pace that you think they should move at. They should understand this because we, we had a sermon about this last week. Or you read that scripture. You're supposed to get this. But last time I checked, we can't even understand the scripture without the Holy Spirit. So these expectations are the things that are, are coming into our lives and making it difficult for the people that we're supposed to be serving. We're supposed to serve. To be the highest in the kingdom, we must be the lowest. And the expectation of faith in an inexperienced believer. Now, mind you, if you're saved in this room, you're still an inexperienced believer. Because I can have an experience that you haven't had. And if I expect you to know and understand the way that I do because of how far God has brought me, now we're falling out with each other. Because we have an expectation of faith. That's not realistic. So, what do we have to do? We have to trust God with the unbeliever, with the new believer, and with the inexperienced believer. That's what we have to do. We have to trust them. And we have to take our hands out of the situation and let God take the lead. It's not our job to get upset because a family member, friend, or associate has not converted or have the full understanding because we are all still growing. Yes. And I, I want to read one last scripture to you. It's a little bit long. Um, I have both versions here, but for the sake of everybody, I'll go ahead and read the, I'll read the NLT. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 19, verse 19 through 23. When you're ready, say amen. I haven't gotten an amen yet, apparently. Nobody uh, okay, well, amen. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody there? Yes. That's going there? Yes. Okay. Even though I am a free man with no master, mm -hmm. I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Amen. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. 
Why do we look at people's differences and let it divide us when it's a, a perfect opportunity to show love, grace, and compassion and win souls for the kingdom like Christ did for us on the cross? Why do we let our differences be the things that separate us? Why? Why? You know, I didn't, I didn't want to broadcast this live. I didn't want to, to, to share the things about me because may, what if somebody from my job hears this and they don't know where I came from? What if somebody in a church is looking or they're considering me and they say, did you hear where he been? But I became weak to try to win some to Christ. That somebody may hear, somebody may be ashamed of something, somebody may be bottling something up in their lives and they're scared and they think that they're not going to be accepted. Well, Christ is here for us all. He saved me. I was saved by grace. He's, and he's still here. And, I, and I've had the ability and the opportunity to walk for Christ. Since I've been saved, I went back to school. I, I've acquired a, a bachelor's degree in ministry and a bachelor's degree in organizational management. I've attended ZMAC Institute. I've been in the church serving since he changed my life. And, there, and it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy. But you know what? What, like I said before, it's not about what happens to us. It's about what happens through us. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I just want to, I just want to offer prayer right now. If somebody, you don't even have to come up here. If you want to, you can come right now. But if you want prayer about something you're struggling with, about a family member that you've been trying to minister to or a friend that you've been ministering to or something in your life that you're struggling with that you don't have to mention, but you've been scared to share it because you're worried about what somebody is going to think about you. And there's somebody, there's a young man, there's a young lady that's sitting there and they're in bondage. They're in bondage to this very thing that you have that God has given you the testimony about. And they need to hear it. If you're struggling or with ministering to somebody and you want prayer, we can pray right now. I'm struggling right now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. The altar is for all of us. I'm struggling. There's sometimes that. My wife says something to me and there's something from my past that's in the back of my mind and she says it and it comes up and I might want to react to her in a certain way and it has nothing to do with her. But it's a struggle that I'm having inside of me. You know? So, I mean, if there's nobody that, that, that wants prayer, I'm going to pray anywhere. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for just remaking us, making us over, making us whole. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your compassion that has allowed us to, to be made new and be made whole in you, Father God. Yes, Lord. 
Dear Lord, I just pray that you will allow us to have humility in each and every situation, Lord God. That you allow us to grow to the point where we understand that we don't have it all figured out. And if there's a person around us that we're looking at them and we're thinking of how unworthy they are and how much they need to grow, Lord God. I pray that you allow us to look into ourselves. Help us to to rebuild, creating us a new heart, Lord God. Refresh our spirit, Lord God. Allow us to be like David, Father God, where we repent for our struggles, Lord God. And we come and you remake us and we continually move forward, realizing that we won't be perfect until we're with you, Lord God. In eternity, Lord. And allow us to not be not be distracted by the things of this world and keep doing your work because our treasures are stored up in heaven, Lord God. Yes. And that's what's important. Then, Father God, thank you for, for allowing me to overcome my struggle of being able to give my testimony without the concern of what people will think about me, Lord God. Then, Father God, and even though there might be some people that will think things about me, Lord God, I have you to hold on to. Yes. You are my creator. You are my healer. You are my guide. You are my all in all, Lord God. Then, Father God, thank you. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for using me to save others. Thank you for allowing me to pour in the life of others, Lord God, that they may grow. Help me to be a better disciple, Lord God. Now, I pray that you bless this church, Lord God, that you bless everybody here, that whatever their struggle may be, Lord God, that you give them strength and you give them a peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord God, that you allow this ministry to move forward as you so see fit and that your will be, well, your will will be done and not their wills, Lord yes. God. Yes. The Father God, allow us to submit to you humbly, Lord God. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Praise God. Norma, you had a song you wanted to play before you spoke? Thank you. 
Oh uh-huh.
so much for sharing your testimony. It has encouraged me so much. Um, ah. Father God, I just want to come to your holy presence right now, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, ah, that you are strengthening me, that you allow me to share what you want me to share, Father God, with your people. Father God, to encourage them and to lift it up your name on high. Because you are holy, you are worthy. Right now, Father God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room, Father God, that they have some burdens, I pray, Lord, that they will lay it down at your feet, at the feet of Jesus, at the cross. Father God, where we can find refuge, strength, hope, peace, healing, restoration, forgiveness. My Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this day, and we thank you, and we worship you, and we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I was in Southeast Asia for two weeks uh, with a group of people that went all the way down there to minister to this specific location that I won't be able to tell you guys exactly the location for security reason. Um, but as, yeah, I just want to share couple of scriptures that God used, and specifically that song God ministers to me so many times because I didn't know that we was going to be flying for so long and taking so many flights. Um, and at, at the beginning of the second flight, um, I started to fear come all the way around me because I was for so long on the air. And when you don't have um, the control of what's going on and why the weather, the turbulence and all that together, you have to trust God. I mean, there's no other option. You have to lean to God and say, God, I trust you. And for whatever reason, that song came out in my, in my when I was searching for music and uh, I played like, I don't know how many times during that 13-hour flight and after that, so many other flights that I, we had to take. Um, but I realized that I had to lay down everything before I was getting to that place. And, and I praise God for that because uh, definitely the uh, fear is something that it can interfere in what God was going to do in that place for us. And um, one of the scriptures that God used and ministered to me, um, there are four different scriptures that, that I used in those 14 days constantly. Praying over and over and over for God to help me and, and to trust Him with all my heart. The first one is in James 1. <clears throat> um, and he say, can, can you read it for me, yes. if you don't mind? It's um, James 2 to um, all the way through 8. James 1, 2 through 8? Yeah, please. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask your generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is an unsettled is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything 
from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. Thank you, Carrie. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, first of all, one of the reasons that, that I went to this country, um, as I was praying last year, um, asking God, okay, God, where are you going to send me this year? Uh, he plays in my heart, really strong in my heart, that this is the place that the place that he was going to send me. And um, as I was praying and praying about that place, he confirmed in so many different ways and so many different times through different people, uh, sending me tests, uh, emails. And I realized, okay, God, you send him into this country. Um, so he even gave me dreams uh, about one specific person that I was going to meet in that country. Um, and I mean, since the moment that I had the dream, I started praying for that person. And I said, God, you definitely need to open my eyes, my spiritual eyes, to realize that's the person that you want me to minister to. Um, and at the same time, he put it deeper in my heart to buy the Bible here and take it with me because that Bible was going to be for that person. Um, just so you know that I'm in a country that is completely Muslim country. So, as I'm uh, praying about this person and for every single person that God was going to put in our way so to be safe and to allow us to share the gospel, um, another scripture that he used uh, to strengthen me, it was Joshua uh, 1 9, which he said, I have not commanded you to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Um, I, 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 I knew that God was going to go with us. I knew that God was going to use us in this country. Another scripture that he used that I cling on all, all the time uh, because at one point I got really sick and I, I, I didn't feel that I was scared or anything like that. I was trusting God with all my heart. But I knew that I had to keep myself really tied to God. And one of the scriptures that, that I used to quote all the time, it was Psalm 23, 1 and 4, when he said, The Lord is my shepherd, who shall I fear even through I walk through the valley? Of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, you are right, your staff, they comfort me. And another scripture that I used to quote a lot of time, even when I was in the air, it was uh, Psalm 31, 5, which is, you are my strength, to your hand I commit my spirit. I used to share that, I mean, quote that over and over and over in, in, in my journey um, with him in this trip. But uh, by the grace of God, he gave me the opportunity to meet this uh, lady, exactly how it was shown in my dream. Um, I had the opportunity to give her the Bible. But understand that when we are sharing the gospel with people that they don't know Christ, where people they completely um, refuse to believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the spiritual warfare is going to come. And that's exactly what happened. I never in my life and my walk with God have experienced a spiritual warfare like the way that I experienced spiritual warfare in this country uh, to the point that I got so sick that I, I couldn't explain why I was so sick, why I was bleeding, why they can't even give me, the give me the medication, the resources, the thing that I needed because they don't have it at that point. So I had to trust the Lord that he was going to be taking care of me, that he was going to uh, heal my body even through the pain and everything that was going on. But the beauty about the whole thing is that I was trusting God, and, and God showed me, and if, again, Ephesians 6, when he said that we know wrestle against flesh and blood, but again, the principality, the rulers, and the, and the 
spiritual forces of evil. So I, I knew that I had to be strong, knowing my own strength, but with God, all things are possible. So I lean on in that truth to believe that God was with me and not against me, that he was going to use every single minute of my situation to not only to minister to others around me, but to minister to myself, to minister to me. Because it's just you have to trust God with all your heart when you see that there's no way out of what you see in your own face. Um, uh, when you feel so sick and you don't have the, they don't have the resources to help you. But you say, okay, God, I trust you because you sent me here because you have a plan and a purpose. And when you see that, that you are able to do exactly what God calls you to, and no matter how difficult it was the, the time that I had there, no matter how much pain I was going through, physical pain, physical pain that I was like, I can't never in my life have this kind of pain in my life, never experienced the pain that I was going through physically. But to know that I got it was with me, to know that I have to lean, that he's my shepherd, that I, have, I don't need to fear, to know that I need to be strong and courageous, um, because he called me to, to minister to these people. So that, it was like a huge encouragement to myself. And I, and, I, and I was all the time meditating when I was in the hospital. One thing I remember, like thinking about Paul, about his life, about how many times he was beat up and going back to the city, the city that they already beat him up and all that. But he said, no, I'm going back because God called me to this city. Um, so I was like, okay, God, you called me to this place, so help me to get strong and, and heal me and so I can go back and do exactly what you called me to. And I had the opportunity that, even though that I, I don't have the opportunity to go out to another uh, city, but I had to stay in this city in specific because of illness, but I was able to minister to the person that got placed in my, in my dream. And I was able to give her the Bible, I was able to... Uh, uh, studied the Bible with her a couple of nights, and it was just so beautiful because she was she's been searching for the truth, um, and she she was able to receive and, and and she embraced the book and she was like okay now I, I can read it by myself you know and that was so beautiful to know that God even if it was only one person that I was able to minister the way that I was able to minister it was worthy you know it was worthy um, but one thing that I really uh, would like to share with you guys is um, God is searching for people who truly want to surrender their life to Him. You know, because at the end of the day, I mean, we can say that we are believers, that we are following Christ, but if we are not surrendered, if we are not um, say, God, here I am, just search my heart and see the wicked thing that is in me and, and where I'll take it out of me, purchase, you know, and, and do with me what you caused me uh, to do and to be, you know, and, and to be Christ-like, you know, and, and that's what I, I, it's been my cry to God, like, God, please, I, I want to be used by you. Um, I want to be able to represent you and to honor you and everything that I do and say. So, and that, for me to be able to go to a different country and share the gospel with people, and knowing that at any moment something could happen to us, you know, uh, but knowing that God is for us and not against us, uh, that He has a plan and a purpose, and and in those 
when you believe that with all your heart, you say, you know, I'm going forward. I'm going to trust you, God, with everything. Um, so, um, like I said, God is looking for people who want to surrender their life to him and, and willing to do exactly what he called us to do, no matter what is the cost. Um, one another scripture that keep coming into my head when I was there is, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lead in your understanding, but in all your way acknowledge me. Um, that's something that God ministered to me in so many different ways. Um, and again, Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but again, the principalities, um, the power and rule of the dark world, and again, the spiritual force of evil in the heavenly realms. We understand that we face the enemy in so many different ways and that he's not happy with the thing that we are doing in this earth for, for the kingdom of heaven. But when we know who we are in Christ, we don't have to fear anything that comes against us. I mean, because we know that we are in Christ, that the Holy Spirit lives in us, that He's empowered us to go forward, to move forward to every single battle that we can go through in life. It could be sickness, it could be family problem, financial problem, you name it, whatever it is. But when we are in Christ, that's what I realized, and I know that. But when I was there, I had to definitely believe what I say or what I believe. I mean, I, I just have to believe it and grasp with all my heart, knowing that he's my healer, that he's my provider, that he will take care of me, that he will uh, protect me in the middle of whatever was going on in that place. So, and because of that, I was able to say, okay, God, you are in control. Um, no weapon for against me shall prosper. And I know that this trial, this difficulties, this illness is going to make me stronger. My faith is going to build up, and I'm going to trust you. Um, I know that, like, like the Apostle Paul say in this chapter and in James 1, um, those trials come to produce something within us. You know, and it's your faith is going to grow. And in Romans, he's talking about that those trials come to produce something within us, which is persevering, persevering, character, character, hope in Jesus Christ, which is never disappoint us. So when we believe that, we know that God is for us and not against us, and that those trials come just to make us stronger. So we can testify to the world, listen, if he did it for me, I know he can do it for you. I know he can help you. I know there is nothing is impossible for Christ, you know, and that's the beauty about knowing that he is with me and that he will never leave me. Um, and so it was beautiful to see not only we was partnering she with somebody else, another uh, Christian organization in this country, and it was so beautiful to see the unity um, between two different organizations, big organizations, but see the unity, the same desire to see people safe and a completely 100% Muslim population and, and see that they are on fire for Christ, this Christian. They are risking everything, every day. But they are willing to do it because of Christ, because they know these people need Jesus. And we have the opportunity um, to see this highest. I mean, this guy is, it was the number one in, in the Muslim population. And he came to Christ. I mean, not in the time that I was there, it was before, but the guy that led him to cry, it was in the team. And this guy now, he's been to build from one village to another village to another village, proclaiming the gospel. And everybody is following him because this guy was so high in the Muslim 
population that now they believe everything and he's laying hands on people, getting healed. It was just amazing what this guy is doing, what God is doing through him. And um, it is amazing testimony that I won't be able to share a lot of details. But anyway, it's, it's beautiful what God is doing, even in the midst of a remote uh, country and, and villages uh, where God is working. And that's my desire that here we are in this country where people don't know anything about God, anything about Jesus. And what God is doing in the Muslim population right now, it is amazing. The experience that I have where people are sharing dreams of Jesus, revealing himself to them, not even no one talking to them about Jesus, Jesus himself speaking. And they want to know who is this person they reveal that they have this dream. And all of a sudden, they met a Christian, and all of a sudden, this Christian shared the gospel, and all of a sudden, boom, he become a believer. And it's just so beautiful what God is doing there. So it's my heart desire that us here, and this is even a small congregation, we know God. We know Jesus, or at least we proclaim to know him. So it's my heart desire that we truly believe what we say that we believe. You know, that we truly know that, that we will know that he's for us and not against us. That he, he wants the best for us. And, and I, my heart desire, my prayer is that, that we will truly surrender our life, our heart, completely to him. You know, because he is worthy. Seeing people and the condition that I saw when I was there, it was unbelievable that, that these people are poor, really poor, and, and, uh, and so kind. And even they, they, I think they didn't even know how poor they are, and not even having the next meal. But because we are American, they just went above and beyond to just have rice for us, at least a meal for us. And again, I wasn't able to go to those villages because of my illness, but my partners, they had the opportunity to, they went to, they told us, they, they brought the news to us that these people, it was going beyond to go and at least have a meal for us, for them. Um, and, and that is beautiful, you know, and, and so it's, it's my heart desire and it's my prayer that, that we truly will know the God that we serve, that we will truly surrender our life to Him, that we will truly trust Him with everything you know, financially, physically, mentally, spiritually, because at the end of the day, one day we're going to be standing in His presence, and we have to give it an account of everything. And what was, would be the excuse for us to tell Him, oh, I didn't know this, I didn't know when we have every single version in this country that we can read, you know, and, and at least these people don't even have the opportunity to have a Bible, because they don't have a Bible, they don't believe in God, I mean, well, they don't believe in Jesus. But... So, this is pretty much what I have for you guys. I hope that I'm going to show some picture of, uh, um, of this place. Um, yeah, because there are some pictures that I'm going to be able to. Thank you. Appreciate it.
didn't. Even if we go to have it in the You'll have to talk in the microphone. Okay. So that is, uh, wow, that's a beautiful place. The, the water is just crystal water. It just, uh, yeah, that's the, right here, sort of the uh, team that went all the way down. They swim all the way down there and they start jumping. I couldn't because I was so like, no, that's not for me. But everybody was starting jumping. This, it's gonna want to. I'm gonna have to force it back. Okay, it's gonna, that's fine. It's gonna keep going. So. Okay, so yeah, we have really good time. That was on our first day. Uh, this is a place. Uh, the next one, the next slide. It is. Um, uh, yeah, this is a. Yeah, it's in a school that we went to uh, minister to them. We was able to share the gospel with them. Um, these two in here, these. Can you go, oh yeah, these two, this one and this one. This lady started asking me a question about Jesus. Can you go back? Yeah. Yeah, but this one hold her back and say something in their language. And she stopped asking me. But she, I, I've been praying for her that God will send someone else to speak to her about Jesus. 
there's another one, your lady uh, in the same school that it was so amazed about everything. And again, we was able to share videos with them about, uh, this is one day that we were sharing the, the whole gospel with them. Um, really good time. Uh, again, this is uh, another place that we went to. And again, this is all uh, students. Um, had a really good conversation with her too. Um, what, what, some of these people converted? No. Oh. No, the one that, and, and these 14 days that we was there, three came to Christ. 240, they was able to, for the first time, listen, heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. So it was really good. For us, it was really good. I mean, uh, an amazing opportunity to share with them. This lady is amazing. This is the lady that I was able to give the Bible that I have in my dream. So, uh, this is just, like I said, this place really, really poor. This is how they sell their food. Um, so, it's right there in the middle of, it's crazy, but it, yeah. Really good people always asking, photo, photo. <laughs> you will see a guy, he said, come on, photo, photo. I said, okay. Um, so... This is one of the guys that he was, come on, photo, photo. <laughs> so that, this is what they call the market. We was able to go to a Muslim wedding. Um, and these two, they're the, the couple. And their parents are right there. Um, this is one of the ladies that we stay in at the house. It's me at the hospital. Um, yeah, so the, the really good people at the hospital, too. They was really kind with me you know, trying to do everything possible to help me, but um, the one before, that was a huge meal. We went to, it was a ladies' night, and they prepared this huge meal for us. Um, can you go back, Carrie, for a second? I wonder if you can, if not, that's fine. Okay, so this is, we celebrate uh, the lady that I gave the Bible. Her name is Uli, she turned 23, so I was say we was able to celebrate her birthday, that's her, that's, we are at the house celebrating with her. We had a really good time. Everybody gave her a gift. This place is gorgeous. Um, an amazing, amazing island. And so this is a uh, minister to the kids. Um, I believe that's the last one, Carrie. Um, so yeah, we have a really good time with these people. Um, um, amazing to know that they got sent us all the way down from here from US all the way down to this com to that country to minister to them and to know that at least three of them came as a Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior. That's an amazing, um, uh, it was amazing to know that three of them came to Christ. And uh, I know that Uli, which is the lady that received the Bible, I believe in my heart that she will come to Christ at one point. I know she's searching for true and now she has the true on her hands and I know that she will come to Christ. So. Father God, thank you so much for, for the opportunity to share about, about you, uh, about what you're doing in this country. Father God, I just pray for every single person, and specifically for these three believers, new believers. Father God, they came to you, Father God, and receive your, receive your Father God. So I pray, Father God, that they will be able to uh, receive more about you and know more about you. Father God, I pray for those who will be able to disciple them, Father God, that they will be able to speak truth to them, Father God, and the we learn more about you and about your love and your desire for them to grow and to be used by you, Father. Uh, we pray for Uli, Father God, 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that you speak to her in dreams and vision, and that she will be able to understand every single thing that you say about you and this word, Father God, and the Bible that she has right now in her hands, Father God. And we thank you for that, Jesus. I pray for both organizations to continue to serve you and to honor you and to do exactly what you call us to do, Father God. You declare in Matthew 28, Father God, to go and make disciples and to teach them to obey everything that you have commanded us to do, Father God, and to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Father God, and to know that you will be with us unto the end, Father. What a beautiful promise, Lord, that, that we can trust you knowing that you are for us and not against us, that you will continue to help us to go forward and move forward with you, Father God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that all of us in this room, our heart desire will be to serve you, to honor you, Father God, and to love you and to obey you, Father God, and every single command that you have given us, Father. So we thank you, Lord, for this great opportunity to encourage each other, to praise you, to love you, and we love you, Jesus. Continue to use us and continue, Father, to work in our heart, mind, and soul, Father God. Help us to surrender every single day, every single idle words, everything that is inside of us that is not belong to you, Father God, we give it to you. We lay it down on your feet, Jesus. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Norma. All right, before I play the last song of worship, I wanted to end in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> what a great morning. I know I'm encouraged and Reminded, as I encourage you all, um, that true freedom comes from true transparency with God and with others. And um, chapter 2 of Ephesians. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work, in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Oh, but God, so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take for credit. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. How beautiful is that? hearing these testimonies this morning is an encouragement I hope to all of us and those who will be listening to this and those who weren't here today I'm, I'm encouraged brother and I thank you for bringing that encouragement to us this morning Amen. You know, and Norma, praise God how God is using you and I'm going to close this with this last song 
and then I'll close this in prayer.